Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast may contain adult themes, strong language, and stupid health advice. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back Hello. to In Bad Taste, where we cast a critical eye over health documentaries and the claims they make. I am your host. I'm fucking tired of this movie. I'm registered nutritionist Pixie Turner. And as usual, I am joined by the wonderful cardiothoracic surgeon, Dr. Nikki Stamp. Now, I just realized for those of you, well, no one would know because I don't think we've ever told them this before, but I script the intro, which means that I just scripted for Pixie to call me wonderful. <laughs> Can I be any more of a wanker? <laughs> I love that. Um... <laughs> I love it though. I'm sorry. That was very arrogant of me. Hey, there was no objection from me, was there? Still. <laughs> Look, as you know, each month we watch these god awful health films and break them down over four episodes. We also have breakdowns of our own over four episodes, but we've decided to tackle Pete Evans' documentary, The Magic Pill. Now, remember that we are watching these so that you don't have to. Please, please don't watch them. Yeah, definitely don't. Otherwise, we will have sacrificed our well-being for nothing. As you know, we've taken a break recently and this is what we decide to come back with. Why? Yay. Look, well, thankfully, thankfully, though, we have had a break because I don't think we could have done this off the back of last year's efforts um, after, you know, no. butt coffee and vegan bonus and all those kinds of things. Uh, we've stepped away from plant-based documentaries and we've decided to tackle um, the magic pill. This week, though, we've got some we've got some really interesting topics to chat about, I think. Yeah, we have some interesting shit to talk about. Don't we always have interesting stuff to talk about? I feel like every episode is interesting. At least um, I find it interesting. But anyway. If, if you disagree, if you disagree with that statement, you can keep that to yourself. <laughs> yes, you absolutely can. We don't need to know. We're fine. Yeah, We're just fine. fine not knowing. It's all good. Everything's amazing. Yep, yes. Yep, yep. But tribalism and conspiracy theories in nutrition and health is a serious problem. In case you hadn't noticed, mm. there's kind of a lot of conspiracy theories in the documentaries that we've that we've mentioned. It's uh yeah, there's definitely not been a scarcity of conspiracy theories in our conversations around all of these documentaries so far. Mm. But this mm. whole tribalism in nutrition, in food, and I mean by nutrition food, I mean both people who are practicing and people who are eating 
So kind of everyone, everyone, I guess. It is problematic. It's a, it's a mess where food becomes a part of someone's identity to the point where it becomes incredibly ingrained and someone can't possibly see past that because they, it's kind of a sunk cost fallacy. There's kind of an identity issue. There is an echo chamber. There's confirmation bias. There's the appeal to nature fallacy. There is the um, survivorship bias. I'm just... I'm doing this off the top of my head and I've run out of things, but there is a lot already going on there with that. Yeah, no, that absolutely is. I think that the the cognitive, the thinking errors that happen around these nutrition tribes is 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 problematic. But I think the one that that I think is relevant to this month's film and the one that sort of pricks my ears up the most is this idea of identity, right? Um, so... Mm-hmm. Low carb, there are some real low carb zealots, I think it would be fair to say. Um, they like accurate, yeah, and they they really, really believe in the power of low carbohydrate diets, not just for specific indications, they believe in it for everybody. And you know, we heard a lot about that in this film. You know, we heard about the persecution of Gary Noakes, um wasn't a persecution it was you know an appropriate oh, investigation him. yeah him um you know we heard about diet i hated i hated that entire <laughs> section it was awful and painful because really- he's such oh how, how do i describe him in a way that doesn't get me into trouble i think it's fair to say that his opinions have been called into question appropriately I think that's what we can say about him. Um, look, you know, I, I, there, there is a lot of there is a lot of uh, persecution, persecutory beliefs, right? That the the low carb community or the low carb people featured in this film. I don't want to say the low carb community. I know hashtag not all low carbers, but you know, the people featured in this film do sort of talk a lot about the persecution of them, them, themselves, their community for their beliefs. Noakes is one of them. You know, there's a lot of, you know, anyone who has dared to speak up against the dietary guidelines because, remember, they say that the dietary guidelines are making us more ill, which has been disproven, by the way, oh has been disproven. You know, the more people follow the dietary guidelines, the better their health is. Um, I will put that reference in. Yeah, That's not to say that they are completely, completely perfect. Correct. Yes, exactly. But they're not deliberately making people no. worse. But I, I, but I think... I think what I'm trying to get to in a roundabout sort of way is that I think that this identification with a group is very central for a lot of people from various nutrition tribes. And I definitely notice it a lot in low carb people um, It is very central mm. to who they are. And therefore, when you question, even if you do it, um, you know, cautiously, professionally, appropriately when you question what they're saying it feels like an attack on their very core (laughs) their very existence um so you know you're you're attacking their whole person their whole being rather than saying actually i'm not 100 percent sure that what you're saying is accurate can we talk about that yes you're absolutely right rather than it being a Let's have a conversation about why you're eating what you're eating. It then becomes a, you are attacking the core of what makes me, me. And people, understandably, get very, very defensive when they feel their identity and the core of them as a person is being 
attacked. And it is, I mean, it might sound a bit drastic what we're saying, but we, this is, it's very exemplified in our language, for example, where we say, I am vegan, I am keto. We say, I am this rather than just, I eat this. I eat this would be, this is just something that I do. Whereas I am is an identifying statement. It's the difference between saying, I told a lie and I am a liar. Yeah. There is a yeah. very big difference between those two and things. And you know a lot of people who are who subscribe to a dietary tribe, uh, I think you see this a lot on social media, the vegan doctor, the low-carb doctor, um, you know, it becomes a mm. real defining characteristic of who you are. Um, it, it's, it, is, it really precludes us from having... I think well-rounded, robust conversations about the evidence. And I I think it's concerning. Yes. Yes. For me personally, if I see that someone has a social media handle that includes a specific dietary label, I'm not inclined to trust them as easily. And I am going to be more likely to think this person's probably not objective. Yes. And that, I think, is not an unreasonable stance to take. Yeah. It's like, imagine having a, having a, like a doctor saying, I am a this type of surgery doctor, or I am like, I'm, a, I'm the metformin doctor. Like, you'd just be like, whoa, how do I know that you're going to give me the medication, the prescription that's right for me, rather than just the same thing that you clearly want to give everybody? Yes. We, we would find that very dodgy when it comes to medications but for some reason when it comes to food we see it as just oh this person's just really passionate and really into what they're doing when it comes to yes passion with food is a good thing but not at the expense of objectivity and rationality do you do you follow i'm going to give you an example of someone who does this really well do you follow danielle bellardo she's a doctor She's a cardiologist from the US. I think I do on Twitter. Yes, yes, you Not do. Not on yeah. Instagram, but on Twitter. So yes. Danielle, who is very bright, um, very lovely. So she follows a vegan diet, right? And she's a cardiologist and she's very, you know, one of her interests is in preventative cardiology. Um, but she is someone who I think I think you're, we're probably going to be talking about the same tweet. She basically tweeted out one day that she's like, "Look, I'm I am vegan. I follow a vegan diet. This is who I am." Um, it dawned on me though that for me to basically project my personality and my personal choices onto patients is inappropriate. So she she follows a vegan diet. She's an advocate for it. She thinks you know for everyone increasing the amount of plant based foods that we eat in our diet. She's trying to teach me how to cook tofu properly. Um, that's a skill. That's a challenge, is what that is. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> challenge for me, not because tofu is like irretrievable. It's a challenge for me. This is one of my personal shortcomings. But you know, she is someone who does it well. She being vegan is an important part of her life but she doesn't you know force it down the throats of everybody else right and i think if you don't follow her i think it's really worth following her partly because she might teach you how to cook tofu properly um but also because i think i think she really is an example of a health professional who recognizes where her her own beliefs and and wants and needs can impact on patients and therefore addresses it appropriately yeah absolutely and we need more people like Mm. that 
we need so many more people like that because it's it's a it is a problem i think it is a problem and it puts people into these different dietary camps where they get stuck in their echo chambers yep and it just doesn't lead to a lot of productive conversation it leads to a lot of personal attacks and it's it's not helpful i mean Look, what we're definitely not saying is that food can't be part of identity yep. because I think food can be an incredibly important part of cultural identity yep. in particular. And they give, they give such a wonderful example of this in the movie in terms of the work, the, the, the program with the Aboriginal Australians mm-hmm. because food is such an important mm-hmm. part of, of cultural identity. It is for maybe not, maybe not the British, but for literally yeah, almost like everybody tea. else because the, we... Yeah, but that's not technically British. No, that's is it? true. Everything that is actually, I mean, I can't, I personally can't think of anything that is seen as a part of the British Scones? food identity that is actually British. Clotted cream. I'm pretty sure we stole that from somewhere else as well. <laughs> Bastards. Basically, the British, the British food culture is just stealing from other food cultures, and I'm, I'm British. I can say that. Okay, I have a British passport. I can say that. Um, but generally speaking, for most people. Food is a really important part of cultural yep. identity. And, you know, if if you are living in a different country or, or in, yeah, if you're living in a different country to the one you grew up mm-hmm. in, for example, or where your family live, then consuming the food that reminds you of where you grew up or reminds you of your family of origin, mm-hmm. for example, can just feel really wonderful and mm-hmm. comforting and can actually really help with things like loneliness, for yep. example, sometimes and just and just reaffirming your identity as a person which can be really lovely so that is a really wonderful part of food being identity but with these chosen dietary tribes it's uh that's where for me i see it as yeah no and I, i agree i think i think it's important to divorce yourself your identity that is from from science, if you're going to be giving advice uh, in it that is sort of contingent on an understanding of science and an ability to interpret that science as a body of evidence, not just by the things that support your worldview, then you have to be able to divorce yourself from from those two things. Okay, um, I know that's hard to do. You know, and I think, you know, veganism is a really good example of this. I know this is a very meat-heavy documentary, but veganism is a really good example of this, particularly for people who pursue a vegan diet for um, ethical reasons. Like I think then having veganism as as your identity is, you know, is something that's very important to who they are because it portrays um, a sense of, you know, ethical behaviour. But if you want to start talking about the the science of vegan diets, whether it be for health reasons or sustainability reasons, you need to be able to put that aside to have a discussion, to be able to look at and face the evidence that doesn't support that view. And the same goes for low carb, keto, carnivore, whatever, even for, you know, I think it's fairly safe to say that we are nutritionally agnostic um, we don't really support mm-hmm. any particular way of eating, you know, it, it, horses for courses, basically. But, you know, I think even for that. <laughs> great. Did I just, did I just. Un- I've never heard that before and I love did it. Did I just uncover myself as like a 70 year old Australian woman? Um, 
it's such a nana thing to say but anyway you know I think even for us to say that we you know we actually do need to to divorce our kind of lack of giving a shit about any one diet in particular and take that into consideration <laughs> when we talk about other people's diets and when we talk about the evidence um you know but anyway I guess evidence I think moving on is and this is probably this is another really broad broad-based discussion it doesn't just apply to this film but I think there's a few times in this film when they really try to convince us that they are looking at the evidence like nobody has before and their interpretation thereof of the evidence is so much more important um you know the film starts out with the usual bullshit disclaimer while while we emphasize the science behind dietary advice they didn't emphasize shit (laughs) the personal stories portrayed in the film are anecdotal and we make no claims that these experiences are typical I disagree. I think they do make claims that this that these experiences are typical. Absolutely. Always consult with your doctor, who we will spend the next two hours running down as a quack who is, you know, at the behest of Big Pharma. Always consult your doctor or health professional before starting any new diet. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. We've discussed this before. I think we discussed it with the game changers. We know there is evidence to suggest that these kinds of warnings don't work. They spend the whole film trying to tell us that their film constitutes evidence. Pete Evans tells us that the only skill he has is being able to read evidence. I would hazard a guess that that is not the case. He does not have that as a skill. Also, I thought he was a chef, so surely if he has one skill, it's cooking. Right, yeah. Um, You know, some people would disagree with that, but, you know, again, 
Horses for courses. People like what they like, you know. Food is individual. But, yeah, the... I get really pissy about this, um, and I, but at the same time, I don't quite know how to rectify it, how to make things better. Interpreting evidence is really, really hard, particularly when it's presented in this kind of fashion in a film, in a book, on an Instagram account, in a very biased way. It's very, very hard for people. Yeah. It is, it is, which is why these documentaries do so well and tend to convince people. I, I mean, what you're saying there about the disclaimer, the very fact that they can put in such a disclaimer and then kind of do the opposite of what the disclaimer says, that shouldn't be allowed. No, surely. it shouldn't. That just shouldn't be allowed. No, no, it really shouldn't. I feel like, you know, if you put in that disclaimer you should actually stick to what you've just said right you should you should <laughs> have to have to follow through with your threat to be unbiased um rather than just go it is it is a complete 180 to what they said they were going to do to what they actually did um and you know because it's not there to provide it's not there to provide a narrative of what's to follow it's there for legal protection and that is literally the extent of it right and do you know i don't know if it has have these things ever been tested you know in a, a court of law saying you you said this but you did something else therefore you know you are it's fraud it's misleading i don't know i'm, I'm very curious if anyone knows the answer to that please let us know um but mm. you know i i, I just mm. it is a joke and i suppose you know we can probably take some comfort in the fact that this film has been removed from netflix i think that was you know really good mind you they also did commission and produce the goop lab but anyway um <laughs> but you know it, it is they're trying to absolve themselves of responsibility i agree uh, but then the whole film, like a lot of these films, spends a whole bunch of time presenting cherry-picked evidence in a really attractive package to try and convince people that they and they alone are telling the truth. And I just I feel like we need to, I mean, this is part of the reason why we're here, but I feel like we need to better protect people uh, to to you know look at this critically and and where to find better information i mean obviously on our podcast but you know <laughs> yeah but i mean this is the funny thing right is that we have been saying how we're going to piss all these people off and we we you know we know how this works by now we know that that's the case and i mean i hate to be so depressing but really isn't it kind of fucked up that these kinds of documentaries these kinds of very tribalistic entrenched biased views these extreme mm. these black and white views are so much more popular everywhere whereas something that is deliberately trying to be nuanced to be considered to be an acknowledgement of the evidence and not black and white but all the different variations of gray which is what what our intention is with this mm -hmm is so much more likely to be criticized and not popular because it's not dramatic and yes. exciting. Yeah. Which is not, this is, this is not a like, woe is us because 
we're not doing this for fame and money let's be no. honest if we if we were if we were in it for the fame and money we would not be doing this we would be telling you all about our new range of supplements that you can buy for a 10% discount if you tell your friends and here's all the wonderful things that it apparently claims to do which aren't true use code in bad taste at checkout for 10% off um <laughs> no it's true and you've noticed there's been none of that so far 100% you know if I if I really wanted to um if I really wanted to I don't know, make a fortune. I would have written two books called The Heart Surgeon's Diet, The Heart Surgeon's Guide to Healthy Living, uh, and created a whole bunch of recipes that I didn't make because I can't cook. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what I would have done with with my life. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's. There was a saying. I'm, this is a bit of a strange, strange recollection. But at high school, there was a saying. I think it was in my religion classroom, actually, that said, um, "What's popular isn't always right, and what's right isn't always popular." And I think that's a really good, uh, good way to think about a lot of the nutritional stuff that that come comes out and about. Yes, and how appropriate that it comes from a religion class when a lot of this, a lot of the narratives and the tribalism mm -hmm. and the conspiracy theories and all of this stuff around nutrition isn't based on evidence. It's religious in its it narrative. So that's kind of, that kind it of fits very well, doesn't it? I, I made a link and I didn't even realize it. But, it, it, you know, I think... I think that uh, interpreting the evidence is a really challenging skill. Like, you know, at a population level, scientific literacy, that is the ability to look and read scientific evidence and understand it and apply it is, is not high. Uh, and I don't think that that's a criticism of the population. I, you know, that there's a whole bunch of uneducated idiots running around. That's not, that's not the case. I think that this is just a very niche skill um, that's really hard to come across. And I think in the realm particularly of nutrition science, nutrition science is a really difficult science, right? It's It's got a lot of unknowns, gray areas. Um, it's It can be very complex. It can be really hard to investigate, which even, which makes explaining and understanding the science of nutrition even more difficult, I think, for your average punter. And therefore, much, much more open to interpretation and use for nefarious purposes. Yep. Absolutely nailed it. Look, I don't know about you, but I'm 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 just so done with this. I am so done with this with this movie. So to wrap it up, the whole documentary is a bit of a mess. It very much jumps from point to point. The through line is hanging by a thread. Are they promoting low carb? paleo keto ancestral eating are they suggesting all of those the same thing when they're not yeah betcha it's very confusing so can we can we can we leave this behind because i'm just really done can we focus on something else let us never speak of it again yes please yes so which means we need to watch another film oh joy of joys um now i've i've seen this film before and i didn't hate it I didn't hate it because I found it engaging, um, not necessarily because I agree with the content, but it wasn't awful to watch where I wasn't like getting to the last half an hour of the film going, I am so bored. Someone please put me out of my misery. Um, so next month we are going to watch That Sugar Film. Oh, my gosh, it's Australian too. Are we on a theme? We're on a roll. Totally We're on an Australian roll. 
Oh, wait. Oh, maybe no, I haven't seen that one. You know what? I thought that was the one with Jamie Oliver, but I don't think it is, is it? No. Oops. Oh, is Jamie Oliver in it? I can't remember. I watched it years ago. It's like, it's it's well made. Yeah. Well, clearly we both need to watch it to figure out who's in it and what it's about. But that is what we are going to Some be guy. covering next month. Aren't we lucky? Next month. Oh, we're so lucky. Um, but as always, don't forget to sub- subscribe. Why can I never say that? Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Look, I know like it sounds like we're begging. And yeah, we are. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're just a little podcast. It would really mean the world if you could give us five stars and subscribe and tell people so because that's how we get found that's how we're going to shoot up the charts past the medical medium that would be very very helpful um if you have any questions or comments please get in contact with us on email in bad taste podcast at gmail.com make sure as always that you come and follow us on our socials uh pixie is at pixie nutrition i am at dr nikki stamp and as always we will leave you some references and links in the show notes below Mm -hmm. and now we can breathe a sigh of relief because we are done with that hallelujah back i'm eating carbs yeah same <laughs> nom 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 we will see you next month next week next month we will be seeing you in the next episode where we are going to be talking about a whole different documentary that sugar film Ooh, the sugar narrative is back it's gonna be fun not but we do this anyway because it's kind of fun and also not and it's all a very weird kind of masochism that we're just kind of dealing with and taking to therapy we will see you then <laughs> goodbye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.